Dating after divorce. <laughs> Dating is already a challenge. Divorce is a nightmare. So mixing those two together, dating after divorce is a challenging nightmare. <laughs> Actually, no, there's some hope. There's some hope. Let's talk about it. Hello, everybody. It's Timmy Gibson here with you for the Timmy Gibson Show. Woo, woo, woo. <laughs> I need an applause button where I can... Make it sound like there's an audience. Oh, man. Dating after divorce. Gosh. Dating uh, truly uh, is a challenge, but it, it also can be very rewarding and fun. And we're going to talk about a few things that I think can help it be so. Um, divorce is is definitely an utter nightmare. I, I never really fully understood that comment that divorce is worse than death, but um, I'm wondering if it's just because it's it's ongoing, and there's always further opportunity to be here, be hurt or hurt, I guess, um, in in the process. So uh, definitely not a fan of divorce. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> it's something I never, ever, ever, ever want to go through again, nor would I ever even wish it on my worst enemy. Uh, it's, it's just difficult. So anyway, how does divorce affect your dating life? Well, I mean, I, I, I think, you know, there's a few things that, that came to mind as I was, you know, just thinking about this as a topic for an episode I, I work, you know, as a date coach here in Kansas city. And so I, I, you know, I coach a lot of single men, single women, um, and not all, but I would say a big majority of those are coming off of a divorce at, at some point, some, you know, multiple divorces. Um, but it seems like a lot of my clientele is, uh, older. And, and when I say older, what I mean is, it seems like, you know, people in high school and college don't really seem to have much of a, I mean, not much of a challenge dating. Um, I, I mean, thinking back to my high school and college days, even my young twenties, I didn't really think it was necessarily challenging as much as just, it was an easy part of the environment that, you know, I went to college and, and there was a plethora of of potential suitable mates. And so it was definitely a little bit um, easier to come by, I think, than, than maybe it is today, even though the online world, which is good and bad, I'll have to do it my own, you know, a separate standalone episode as, as it relates to online dating, because that's for sure a shit show, but uh, dating after divorce. So I think part of the what makes it so challenging is, you know, depending on how long you were married to someone, obviously this would differ from person to person, but the longer that you are with someone. So if you were with someone, I would say anything above 10 years. So, you know, 10, 15, 20 years or, or more, you become extremely familiar with this other person and you know, you, you know, their quirks, you know, their likes, their dislikes, you know, you know, everything about them, 
I mean, there's just really not much you don't know, right? Especially if you had a, if you had a good relationship and you were very open and honest with each other. Um, and even, you know, just to be around someone that long, you can't really completely hide. I think that, you know, some people, when they get divorced, they feel like I never knew her. I never knew him, you know? And I think that's just part of the, the, oh, what do you call it? Um, collateral damage of a relationship, you know, it, especially if you were betrayed or if you were the betrayer, you know, I think someone that's been betrayed probably would feel like they didn't know the person at all. Um, and of course the one that betrayed often looks at themselves and thinks, what in the heck, how did I get to this point? A lot of reasons for divorce. We're not going to get into that. Today's show is not about actually just divorce. I'll do one of those at some point. But really, I want to talk about dating after divorce. So I, I think, you know, the the part of the or one of the big things that I'm finding to be true, not only within my own self, my own story, uh, but within the story of so many, is that you become familiar with a person and you know, the good, you know, the bad, you know, the ugly, you know, the, the good, the, you know, the pretty and, you know, the, the, the good smelling stuff, you know, the bad smelling stuff. It's like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, you know, all the ins and outs, right. And you get accustomed to that. You know, you kind of adjust yourself to this other person, to your partner, to this other human. And soon everything is pretty, for the most part, it's very familiar and I'm not sure what it is within human nature, but we find comfort in the familiar. Even though there are things we don't like, it's something that yet we can count on, right? It, it's like a, a partner that that runs late all the time. It, uh, you know, at, at some point, right, it bothers you and then you accept it and then you just say, it just is what it is and this is the way they are. And it bothers you differently, right? It doesn't bother you as much as it used to. Uh, it may still bother you at some, in, at some level, but it becomes a familiar behavior. You're, you're familiar with it and, and it almost becomes endearing, right? It becomes a part of this person that you've chosen to love. It's just part of who they are. And because you love them, you love that they run late or you run that whatever. And when I say love that I, I use that word loosely. And so sometimes the unfamiliar is so scary that we almost prefer the familiar. And not to mention if you were with a partner for any amount of time, especially like I said, 10 years plus, I mean, you get into the 20 and 30 years and, and for sure this is so, but your body almost becomes adapted to them. In other words, there's this not only a, a clearly a chemical exchange for all these years, but there's a physiological connection to this person where maybe in your mind, you know, maybe in your mind or in your, in your emotions, you're like, I don't want to be with this person anymore, but your body betrays you, your body does want to be with them. Right. And I know this for some, this might sound a little odd if, if you're, if you're, um, you know, still married. Um, I'm really not sure how this, <laughs> this particular episode could be at, at all 
of value to you except just to to know to have extra info i guess and some knowledge on on what it's like to actually go through a divorce and i i find that for me personally that was one of the um, most difficult or is uh, one of the most difficult parts of um, dating someone new, right? Recovering from a divorce and then moving into the dating world. Um, I, I will, I will say this, I will say 100% absolutely no, no if, ands or buts, no excuses. If you have gone through a divorce you absolutely need to go through some coaching and or therapy counseling of some sort. Um, I believe that it's critically important. Now, some people are disciplined enough or have enough um, self-awareness to go on their own healing journey and, and really be able to do it in a healthy way. But I would say that's very slim. That's super slim. I would consider myself an extremely self-aware, a well-adjusted, um, intellectual, uh, emotional person. And, and I did uh, about eight months worth of intense counseling with two separate, with two different counselors. And I still check in, I check in with them uh, still yet to this day. Um just had a, a counseling session uh, a couple of weeks ago and you know, it's just good to just go in for a little maintenance, a little checkup for, for sure. It, it just helps. It just helps you kind of process your own, your own feelings. But for me, I, again, for me personally, uh, I never understood that whole body addiction thing with, that your body was actually connected to someone for so long that, that your body, even though in your mind, you're like, no, I, I don't want to be with this person. Um, but your body does. It's a very, it's a very, uh, unique experience to, to have that feeling where your mind is like, no, I, I like where I'm at and I like where I'm going. Uh, and I don't want to be with this person, but and even though you would still love them and still care about them and, you know, of course, never, ever wishing ill will on anyone ever. Uh, that's a whole nother episode, but that, you know, that's, that's extremely toxic. I don't care what your divorce was like, even if your if your divorce was evil, if your if your ex is evil, um, I would uh, implore you to do whatever it takes to, to let that go and to not develop any kind of ill will or resentment or hatred towards anyone ever. Uh, that's just so toxic and it just really destroys the body. But anyway, so that for me, again, that was one of the difficult things for me is, is just that whole body addiction thing. You know, it's, it's almost like I would equate it to this. I would equate it to, um, which I've never had any kind of addictions like this, but to, I guess, like alcoholism or a cocaine or any kind of opiate addiction in your mind, you can know that that is bad and I don't want to do it like in your mind, but your body betrays you, you know, your body craves the cocaine or your body craves the alcohol or your body craves these opiates or drugs or whatever, but your mind you know that's not good and you don't want it and you don't want right and so you know that and of course uh, I, I, there's a couple 
that I just recently talked to that they were divorced for several years and then ended up getting back together with each other um, after they kind of fi- found themselves. You know, some sometimes that happens in relationships. I don't know what the statistics are. I've not really looked that up of of what of what that is. And so, and the reason I even mentioned that is because when we talk about dating after divorce, there's so much that needs to be dealt with in order for anyone to be able to date effectively, like to really date and have your whole heart available. And it takes time, you know, I mean, people can put an exact time on it, which I, you know, when I was married, I used to do that. And now I have a different perspective on that. Um, you know, I don't know where I ever heard this, but I remember years ago, I said one time, uh, um, take a month for every year you were married and take that off. <laughs> you know, but, <laughs> but, and I can hear you saying the same thing that I heard, you know, I heard myself say that to myself, even after I was divorced and it was just such a weird thing. Cause I thought, uh, there's no way I'm waiting two years before I date, you know, I just remember thinking there's no way I'm going to stay celibate for two years. Um, and, but, but so here's what I do. Here's what I think now. So now that I'm on the other side of the, on the other side of the, the, uh, the equation, if you will, or the other side of the experience and have experienced both now, I actually am coming back around to, I think, I don't think that's necessarily a bad idea. It doesn't have to be exactly that, like a month for every year. I I think it's just like anything. I think it's what do you put into those months per year? Does that make sense? In other words, if you, if you're going to counseling weekly in a month, well, I would think that in my opinion, again, this is just my opinion here. I think that would, well, this is my opinion, but it, you know, it comes from experience. I think that would expedite the, the recovery time. And and I don't know like how much, I mean, again, you, you can't give exact things for, for every counseling session. It takes off two months from your recovery. I mean, I don't know. I don't know, except I do know that if you don't go to counseling, then yes, I would say you need to probably take pretty close to a month for every year you were married. If you're not going to do any kind of self-help, any kind of reading seminars, counseling, therapy, coaching, if you're not going to do anything, you're just going to fly by the seat of your pants, then yeah, you need to take some time because it takes time. I, I, I would literally compare it to if you had a compound fracture, which you all know what that means. If you don't look it up, but it's a compound fracture, at least how I understand it is where if you you know break your femur bone, your thigh bone, you know, the bone in your thigh there, and it comes, it pops out of your skin. I think that's a compound fracture. Okay. Where it breaks and then comes out of the skin. I, I think that's accurate. Well, time alone is not going to heal all wounds right now. Time. Yes, it'll heal. Right. I mean, the, 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 it would heal up around the bone. Your skin would come up real close to the bone. It would heal itself, but yet you would still have this bone sticking out of your leg, which wouldn't be very conducive for wearing skinny jeans. (laughs) And I'm thinking you'd have quite a bit of trouble, uh, for sure. Getting dates at the pool 
if you're walking around with your femur bone sticking out of your thigh. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I digress. <laughs> but I think that emotionally it's the same kind of thing. I think when we have some kind of a trauma like a divorce, and depending on how bad your divorce was, I think that that has a lot to do with it. Um, I know just, you know, my personal experience, my divorce wasn't, it was terrible. It was a nightmare. It was gut wrenching. It was heartbreaking. Yes. It was all of those things, all of those things. Right. And some more, uh, but it wasn't a lawyers and evil. We didn't even have lawyers. Um, we just agreed on, on everything and just worked together on it. We didn't, even, we didn't even have a mediator, um, which, you know, I, I sometimes take that for granted, but I think it was just part and parcel to the, to the friendship uh, and the relationship that we did have. Um, I think just led that to, or, yeah, for whatever reason, there was, I guess there was some level of trust there, some level of, of something. Um, yeah. I'm, I, I had, I honestly really haven't given that as I'm talking about, it, I'm like, ah, I probably need to journal that and talk more with a counselor about that and through that. Um, anyway, so, uh, you know, so I think depending on the level of the divorce or, or the, the, uh, you know, how your divorce went, right. I, I have a friend who, uh, he went through a divorce. Actually, I have a male and a female friend, two separate friends that each went through divorces and, and they, they were nasty, man, nasty, long drawn out, evil divorces that were just toxic and psycho and crazy and hurtful and just, oh my gosh, just terrible, terrible, terrible. And, you know, those, those kind of, those kinds of divorces, I think probably in my, uh, um, again, my opinion, I, I think those take a little bit longer to recover from because of the, the, the severity of the, the demand you know, of the damage, you know, a divorce is one thing, very damaging, right? It's like a compound fracture, right? It's, it's terrible. There's no way to, there's no, it's just terrible. But then you add in, you know, compound fracture and you were in a dirty lake water and uh, you didn't get to the hospital for three hours and you can't find all the pieces of the bone. And right. You start adding to the trauma that's already bad enough. A compound fracture is bad enough. You start adding in dirty lake water and this and that and the other and, and whatever. And it just makes it all the all the worse. Well, I think. Divorces have levels of toxicity or levels of bad, you know, I, I guess at the, at the bottom of, of one scale is um, probably the, the, the bottom of the scale or the, the easiest divorces would be, you know, there's no betrayal. There's no nothing in the sense of no, there's no, there's no event that happened that, that breaks the other person's heart. There's just a, uh, we just, both equally decided we don't, this isn't my story. My story is, is not the best case scenario, but it's not the worst case scenario. Just in case you're thinking, are you telling your story? No, I don't want to mislead anybody, but you know, like where both people just go, Hey, listen, I love you, but I don't, I'm not in love with you anymore. And the, and the partner goes, yeah, me too. You know, let's just get divorced and stay friends. Like that would be like that kind of divorce I, I think is rare. I'm sure that they're out there. Um, I have met, I think I have met at least one person, uh, in my life thus far, 
that that that's how their divorce was. It just they just realized that they were better friends than they were lovers, and so they decided to part ways. And there was no no affair, there was no adultery, you know, there was no cheating, right? I mean, there was nothing like that. Um, so that's on the very very beginning of the scale, and then you go all the way to the other end of the scale, and um, it's you know toxic, crazy, nutty, all that. Um, and, and I think on the other end of the scale, you know, when there is betrayal, when there is things like that involved, even, even the, the one that did the betraying, um, so, you know, the one that was betrayed, right They're they're struggling with, with that being betrayed, being cheated on, which I, I, you know, I can't even wrap my mind around how painful, uh, that would be excruciatingly painful, like worse than death. Well, then on the other side, you have the betrayer, the one that did the betraying, you know, you have the villain and the victim, you know, so the victim suffers, but then also the villain suffers if they have any kind of conscience at all. Um, and they're not a psychopath, you know, they, they suffer because of how they hurt the person that they loved, you know, how they hurt over what they did. And so both are traumatic, both are hurtful, both are painful, um, and so divorce, you know, just has so many different layers of, of hurt and so many layers of, of pain. And so you, you, you put that, you put that into the mix of dating. <laughs> and it really is like what I said at the very, very beginning, you know, dating is challenging. Uh, divorce is a nightmare. So dating after divorce is just literally a challenging nightmare. And so uh, I really am a big proponent on doing whatever is necessary to walk out your own healing journey so that you can get to a place where you, you can date and, and do it in a healthy way, because here's what, here's, here's why this is so important. Okay. There, there's the reason it's important is that you can't be in a happy, healthy relationship of fulfilling, meaningful relationship for both people if you're not healthy. And so you're doing yourself a disservice and you're doing a possible partner a disservice if you are not working on yourself. Now, here's the here's the honest truth. And and I think everybody's aware of this. You know, we all have our issues and I I don't really honestly think that that as humans it's even feasible or possible to be at a place in life where I'm good. I'm perfect. I'm literally emotionally perfectly sound and I'm, you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't, I just don't think, you know, as a matter of fact, if people think that, you know, if they think, Oh, I went to counseling, I did the deal. I'm good to me. That that's, that makes me a little nervous, right? That makes me nervous because they're, they're obviously blinded. I have yet to meet anyone. I'm 51. I've met a lot of people in my life. I have yet to meet someone who doesn't have something. I've, I have never met a single soul that, that, and now I'll tell you where it's bad is when they're, they're not self-aware where, where there's things that, that come out, you know, and, and as you're getting to know someone, you know, you start seeing things 
or, you know, you start seeing things in yourself too, but you know, you, you can recognize certain things like, Oh man, they get, they get mad quick or man, you know, when they're hungry, they get really hangry. Um, or, you know, man, they don't have a lot of patience. Uh, like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, you start, the more you hang around someone, the more you notice these things. And so again, going back to what I said initially, the reason it's important is in the dating world, what makes for a successful relationship is a whole happy you is, is truly being as, as whole as possible. Again, you'll, you'll never get to the hundred percent phase. You know, you'll never get to that phase where you're just 100% perfect, but clearly, right. I'm sure you just like, I can say, yes, I have met people who are more whole than others. <laughs> you know, I've, I've definitely gone out with people and have met people and spent time with people who were, uh, healthier, you know, were, were well adjusted, um, didn't have any irrational weirdness. Um, they weren't, you know, didn't have a quick short fuse temper. Um, they could have healthy conversations. They could share their feelings, they could love wholly. Uh, they were quick to be able to ask for forgiveness or say sorry. I'll tell you what, that's that right there is a that to me is a pretty that's something I look for now. Uh, you know, um, when I'm I'm dating around, that's something I'm very attuned to. If someone can't say sorry, uh-uh. Uh-uh, 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 uh-uh. That's a that is a huge red flag. Um, if someone can't say sorry, if they can't apologize. Um, that is a really, really, that's a big red flag, uh, and definitely a narcissistic trait, uh, for sure. Someone that is unable to, uh, not just recognize, you know, it's one thing when people will say sorry or apologize for something without being called on the carpet, you know, that's one level of, of like, in other words, recognizing that what you did or said was wrong. And so you apologize for it. That to me is a, a higher level of, of self-awareness than someone who will say sorry when it's pointed out to them. But it, to me, it's a little disconcerting that they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have caught it themselves. In other words, you had to bring it up to them to say, Hey, you know, I don't like the way you're doing this, or I don't, you know, I don't like the way you talk to me, you know, whatever, whatever it is like it, that's one level is that, Hey, I bring it up to you and you go, Oh, wow. You know what? I didn't really realize that. I apologize. Okay. That's good. That's good. But to me, it's even a better thing if someone does something and then recognizes it before they're called on the carpet. And then they, you know, make that first move to say, Hey, you know, um, I realized yesterday I kind of yelled and you know, that's not me. I'm, and you don't deserve that. I'm sorry. You know what I mean? So I think that's important. Uh, uh, dating after divorce. That's why it matters that we, we go through the healing process so that we're able to bring the best version of ourselves to the dating world. And, and here there's a lot of reasons why one, if you want a healthy, happy relationship, it's necessary. The second thing is, you don't want to actually meet someone that really is special and then you screw it up. You know, you mess it up because you aren't healed, you know, because you're, you're still jaded. You're still bitter. You're still hateful. 
um, that that's one of the biggest things that carry on into another relationship. If you hate your ex, I I, I can't. I just uh, you know all I can do is you know short of of begging you to to work on that. Don't hate your ex. I don't care what she did to you. I don't care what he did to you. I don't care what happened. Um, you need to work through that hate. Um, because I'm going to tell you right now, it will be impossible to have a happy, healthy relationship, um, a a well-adjusted relationship with, with anyone. If you're carrying around, uh, hate and, and that venom, that bitterness, that poison, um, in, in your heart and in your mind for sure. All right. So I'm going all over the place, but I think it's all part and parcel. And hopefully this is, this is, um, helpful to you, um, as it is for, for me to, to frankly, even be talking openly like this. So, you know, I talked about how the familiarity with the person you were with for so long, you know, you're working through that just like a, just like a drug, right? You know, you shouldn't be doing cocaine, but your body craves it. It craves the high and you're in your mind, you know, you're, you're, you, you don't want to, uh, take that drug. Um, but your body feels, your body still feels this, this enormous need or an attraction to now, you know, there's a couple things. One that can be that can be a result of just absolute true love. You know, you you truly loved your ex. Um, you truly had a magical relationship. Somehow it got effed up, and there was this trauma. And so you know you get divorced. And so there is still love there. You know, just just because you get divorced doesn't mean that that your your ex doesn't love you and that you don't love them. Now, whether you're still in love with them, now that's that's a whole only you can answer that question. Anyway, I'm coming to the end of this little first section of this uh, deal. Just FYI, I have 30 minutes to record, and then I have to stop it and and do something else to record another episode. So, the 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 software that I use does that. So, I'm going to take a quick commercial break. I'll be right back. We'll talk more about dating after divorce. <laughs> All right, I'm back. <laughs> For you, it was a second. For me, it was four hours. So I don't even remember what I was talking about. <laughs> I'm actually being serious. No, I'm kidding. Divorce, uh, dating after divorce. I think that's what I left you with. For me, earlier this morning. <laughs> For you, split second. Anyway, I guess. Um, Honestly, since I had so much time in between the first 30 minutes and the second 30 minutes, uh, I really don't even know all that I said in the first half. <laughs> so uh, let's see. Well, uh, I think I was talking just a little bit about the importance of getting yourself into a healthy place in order to have a good experience dating after divorce. And I think I touched on also just about the Uh, If you were in a marriage, I would say if you were in a marriage for over 10 years and even less, but if you were with someone for over 10 years, there's definitely a detoxification period, you know, a period where your, your body has to become uh, no longer addicted to the person, 
you know, kind of a, kind of a, I don't know what, what, I guess it would just be a, de- a detoxification, just kind of an, an unwinding or an, um, of, of the familiar, you know, I think it's a lot of the reason why, and not that all divorces are, you know, just coming out of a toxic relationship necessarily, but, you know, when you talk to people who uh, come out of an abusive relationship, you know, it's always shocking that they would even consider to, to consider going back to uh, a toxic or an abuser or an abusive relationship. And it, it, it stems from this thing that, that I talked about in the first segment there, this uh, familiar, it, we're, our bodies are for whatever reason addicted to the familiar. I mean, you, you, you just know the ins and outs of someone, you know, you know, everything about them. You can finish their sentences, you know, you can read their, their moods. You can, um, read between the lines, you, you know, it's just, it's, it just becomes so absolutely familiar with something and it becomes really comfortable and, and honestly, I think that's one of the, the pluses of being in a relationship. You know, you're, you're comfortable with someone and, and, you know, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> you don't have to hold in your farts anymore. <laughs> oh, did I cross the line? Did I, did I go too far just then? But the, you know, it's the truth that, you know, when you're, when you're dating, of course, you know, you would never, ever fart in front of someone. I mean, you hold that stuff in and you'll even hold it in. If it, if it's killing you, if it's hurting you, you you'll hold that in. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, I mean, there are lots of benefits to being married, lots of benefits to being single. There's lots of benefits in all different uh, stages of life. and. Um, you know, dating can be fun if, if you do it right. So, all right, let me, let me bring this, let me bring this, this, uh, episode to a close, bring, bring this plane down for landing. Uh, a couple things to remember, uh, dating is an attitude of, of the mind. And so if your mind is not quite right, or if you're not emotionally, uh, healed from your divorce, uh, what I would recommend, like, so as a, as a professional relationship coach, date coach, whatever, um, my count, my counsel would be basically what your, how can I put this? What you can emotionally handle is what you make available. Okay. For example, myself, uh, early on when I first, um, when I first, you know, moved out and and then got divorced and then started dating, I was still in counseling and I knew I was not ready for anything serious early on. Um, and so I, I didn't, I, I was very open and honest with everybody that I went out with and just said, Hey, you know, I just recently got divorced. And so I'm not looking for anything serious. You know, my heart's just not in a position. It's just not available for that. Uh, but I'm, you know, I'm down for fun. I'm down for dates. I'm down for coffee. I'm down for, you know, outings and hanging out and, you know what I mean? So I, I, just as long as you're honest, just be honest, not just with other people, but be honest with yourself. You know, a lot of times when we talk about honesty, people always assume, you know, being honest with other people. And of course that obviously that's a given, but I think it's important that we're honest with ourselves and not jumping from a marriage you know, jumping, you know, jumping out of a divorce right into a, a, another relationship, you know, 
there's always those exceptions to the rules, right? I mean, we've all heard those stories of someone that left, you know, got, got divorced and found someone else and then spent the rest of their lives with that one person. I mean, that does happen, but that's not the norm. And typically I think the reason the second marriage doesn't last as long as the even first marriage, I think, I forget what the statistics are, like whatever, you know, 50% of 50% of marriages fail or, or succeed. Let that, let's go half glass full, but 50% of marriages succeed. So in the, in the second marriage, like only 30% of the second marriages succeed and, and then only 10% of the third marriages succeed, you know, whatever the statistics are, I should have looked them up maybe before I started talking. So, I mean, it's good to know that stuff and to be consciously aware. I think because of my, what I do for a living, I, you know, being in this world uh, of, of coaching and relationship coaching and life coaching and, and, and all the premarital counseling I do and all the stuff that I am, am involved in, I was able to be somewhat right. I mean, I'm human, uh, but somewhat like self-aware and, and aware that, okay, my heart is not ready for anything serious. And therefore I'm only going to be casual. And then, uh, you know, now where I'm at now being available, more available, more open, more, you know, more, um, yeah. So again, who cares about what I do? I'm just, I'm, I, I can just tell you from experience, just know thyself, know if you're ready. And if you're not ready, just fight those lonely demons, you know, the, the demons of loneliness, you know, that, I think that's what gets to us. And that's what gets us to make bad decisions. You know, as we, we get lonely, we don't like watching TV or movies alone anymore. And so we'll, we'll lower our standards or go against our own beliefs or we'll, we'll crash through our own boundaries. You know, we'll scale over our, our own, um, um, guards, you know, well, it's like, we'll, we'll start breaking our own rules because we're feeling lonely. And, and can I just say this, can I just be very vulnerable with you here and say, loneliness is, it is a form of suffering for, for many people. And it's something that I think is necessary. It's kind of like tried by fire. I mean, I think loneliness is something that uh, people are scared of. I know a lot of people that when they get divorced, they get hyper social, hyper social and start going out all the time. And they just, they join every basketball, football, baseball, <laughs> like they, they join every kind of sporting event that they can. They, they join rock climbing. They join. Okay. Now let me just say on one hand, nothing wrong with that at all. Okay. So keeping busy, there's nothing wrong with being busy. Okay. But if the busyness is to escape the pain that's not healthy. It, it would be no different than burying your pain and your sorrow in, in alcohol or pills or whatever. It's the same. It's, it's a different kind of drug. I'll never forget. My counselor said something to me that, that really touched my heart because we were just talking about various things and, and, when he said this, it was just really freeing to me, but he said, Timmy, there's a lot of ways that people betray a marriage. And, and the, the thing that I think that 
that that spoke to me in, in a lot of different ways, but it also spoke to me in the sense of there are a lot of ways that we get addicted, right? There are a lot of ways that we avoid pain. There are a lot of ways that we ignore what's going on on the inside. That That's how I translated that. In other words, there's a lot of ways that we can do bad things and it's not just in what everybody thinks is bad, right? Like most people think that that cheating is the only way you can betray a marriage and it is terrible. I don't recommend it. It's, it's unspeakably bad. Okay. So let me just get that out there, but that's not the only way that you can betray or cheat a marriage, right? You can, you can, you can cheat a marriage by having an affair with work, having an affair with your own emotions, having an affair with your children, having an affair with, okay, it doesn't have to be some kind of a sexual affair. What I mean is you can betray a marriage. You can betray yourself in a lot of ways and you can cover up the pain in activity, in drugs, in alcohol. But typically what people think is, ah, they're drinking alcohol. They're drinking too much. They're burying the sorrows in the, in the liquid. You know, they're, they're, they're ignoring the problem. They're burying the sorrows in, in alcohol. Well, yes. Okay. Of course. But you can also bury your pain in activity too, or bury your pain in another relationship. So uh, my encouragement would be to just, you know, not, not, don't do that. Don't do that. Allow yourself to be lonely allow yourself to to hurt um you know the the best thing i think for that is to you know to turn into the pain turn into the sorrow turn into the grief you know turn into that heartache and you know sit with it and journal through it and and you know find a coach or a counselor i mean i do coaching i do a lot of stuff on facetime so if you're hearing this and and you would like you know to hire me just message me uh, just email me, Timmy at TimmyGibson.com. That's Timmy at TimmyGibson.com. Um, and we could set up, uh, set up a session, you know, and I'll do a free consultation, which is about a 10 to 15 minute consultation. And we can kind of just chit chat on the phone. And if you think it's a good fit, then, you know, uh, we can, we can talk what it would be, look like for me to, to be your online virtual coach. Um, so yeah, that that's I think that's I think that's you know dating after divorce it is hard it is hard you know and especially if you're not over your ex it's really hard, um, yeah I, and I'm trying to think if I have any if I have any advice for that I mean it it just takes time, and I also will say this so, you know, I, I there's a couple things that can get a marriage in trouble. One is allowing yourself to, to, you know, look at only the negatives of your partner, you know, only looking at the negatives of your partner. And, and that definitely is a, is, is, uh, a road to, um, misery, I guess, you know, you get married because you're thinking of all the wonderful things about your partner. And then you start, you know, as time goes on and whatever, you start forgetting about all the good stuff and you only look at the bad stuff. And unfortunately, I think when people get divorced, they, they tend to, to, they do one of two things. One, they either look at only the good stuff and they just remain miserable forever, or they, you know, try to lie to themselves and think of only the bad stuff, you know, only the bad stuff, you know, to get, to get over an ex. You know, I, I had someone tell me that they said, just start focusing on everything that was bad about your, your ex so that you can, you know, f- not like them anymore. 
<laughs> I thought that was really funny. Uh, it really goes against my my nature of uh, I've, I've worked so hard and trained myself for so long to be an eternal optimist and believe the best about everybody. So I didn't find that really uh, an effective tool, to be honest. I, I felt like that was disingenuine. Um, just for me personally, I mean, if there is some bad things about your partner, yeah, for sure. You want to be real, realistic about it. Um, but I think honestly, the, the reality is, is you just take one day at a time and, you know, you start surrounding yourself with new friends and, and having new experiences and, and allow yourself to, I, one of the rules that I've adopted is to say yes. You know, if someone says, Hey, you want to go do this? And I go, yeah, <laughs> you want to go do this? Yeah. Do you want to try this? Yeah. You know, it, that's kind of been my, my new, uh, thing is like whatever comes down, down the path. Um, unless it's clearly something I wouldn't be interested in, I say, yeah, you know, let's try it. Let's do this. Let's go here. Let's do this. Let's say yes to that and try that. And, and I think it's, it's, you know, for me personally, it's been a great journey to do that. Um, so for those of you that have, you know, recently come off a divorce or maybe you're separated, maybe you're going through a divorce right now. Um, gosh, I mean, I really can't stress enough the the healing process is so important. It, it, it's so important to walk that healing process um, in a healthy way. You know, don't don't drown out your sorrows with alcohol. Don't pop a bunch of pills. Don't don't just surround yourself with a bunch of people. You know, don't jump into another relationship too quick. Um, just walk that journey out. And you'll know when you're ready. You know, you'll know when you're ready. I I I, I you know for me I was. When you really turn inward, you you know, you know when you get, you just go, you know what, I, I'm I'm ready, I'm ready to have coffees, or I'm ready to, to be intimate, or I'm ready to to whatever. Like you you know yourself. The problem is a lot of times we're led by the the, the pain or the brokenness rather than led by what we know is good, right? We we think oh, I'll just drown my sorrows in alcohol. Well, we know that's wrong, right? We. We know that that's not a healthy choice, okay? We know that's not healthy, and yet we do it anyway. So what what my encouragement is, there's a couple things that I did, and again, I don't do everything right. I don't, I don't ever, I hope I never come across that way. If I do, that's not intentional because I don't. Though there are some things that I did that I think really helped expedite my journey, which I'm still on my journey. Okay. Still on my journey. I'll be on my journey for the next hundred years. But one thing is I, I didn't have a TV for seven months. I went without a TV for seven months. Um, and that was intentional. Okay. That was, that was an intentional decision that I made. So I didn't have a TV. I committed to more reading and podcasts and such. Um, I woke up with gratitude affirmation for about 15, 20 minutes. I went to bed with gratitude affirmation for about 15 to 20 minutes every night when I went to bed. And I did that for the first year. That was, that was my morning and evening routine. And, and now it's, I still do it either morning or evening. I don't always do it morning and evening, but I, I do it one or the other where I do some kind of a gratitude affirmations. Typically, well, it's easy at night. I just hit it and fall right to sleep. I like to do it in the morning. For whatever reason, I like to start my day. I hit that gratitude at gratitude at developing a gratitude. What's the <laughs> developing an attitude of gratitude? There we go. Every morning, it just does something for me. 
it's just something that I, I really enjoy doing. I, I kind of notice it if I don't do it. And so if you're going through a divorce right now or just recently got divorced and you're, you're going through some hard times, I really re- reach out to me really for real email me. I really, I really can, uh, even just one session would help you immensely. I like to do three sessions, but one session, um, would really get you off to a good start. I can give you some things that I think that would really, um, just be a blessing to you. I really, I really do. Like I, I, if I didn't think I could be a blessing to you, I honestly wouldn't, I wouldn't offer, I wouldn't say, Hey, call me. Um, all right, listen, I think, I think that's about it. Um, you know, love yourself. Um, yeah. Allow yourself to feel the emotions. And, and, uh, when you feel those emotions, turn into them. If you feel like crying, cry. If you feel like being angry, be angry, you know, uh, whatever you feel, uh, move and move into that and turn into it and, uh, which will help you heal quicker. It will help you heal quicker. Turning into your emotions is a lot like going to the doctor when you break a leg, you know, you break your leg, you go to the doctor, you have the bones set and done fixed and all that stuff. And then you'll heal quicker doing it that way. It's the same thing emotionally. When you are feeling pain, grief from a loss or whatever, turn into it. Okay. Now, you don't have to turn into it all day long, all day, you know, like, but turn into it, allow yourself to cry, you know, and then that'll help expedite the healing process. All right, guys, listen, Hey, thanks so much for listening today. Uh, I hope that it all made sense. Uh, you know, I got a little distracted having it like a four hour break between the first segment and the second segment. So hopefully it, it, I didn't, hopefully it didn't seem like two separate segments. Hopefully it flowed together decently. Um, but yeah, good luck out there in the dating world and yeah, peace.